Good to see you all this morning. Uh, it's a privilege to get to share from God's Word. Uh, some faces are familiar to me and some not so familiar as it's been uh, seven years that we have been away from New Life Church with the quick visit five years ago. But uh, before we enter into the Word of God this morning, I just want to share a little bit, a testimony of God's faithfulness to our family. And, uh, you know, it was 24 years ago uh, this year that we first came to New Life Church. A uh, young couple, uh, maybe there's a picture on the screen there to show there. That's kind of what we looked like <laughs> when we wandered in here green and looking for a community, looking for mentorship. And uh, you all embraced us into the family, loved us. Uh, we had a great few life groups here that we were a part of and uh, got our feet wet in ministry some and just so thankful for God's faithfulness uh, through you as a church to us. And then um, over the course of the years, you have laid hands on us uh, a few times. Uh, once was in 2005 when we were a part of the first church planting team to go out from New Life Church. And uh, what a blessing that was uh, for, to be together with many of you in this room in that church planning effort and those who sent us and, and prayed. Uh, and then seven years ago, this is the picture of when our family was uh, sent out by New Life Church uh, to go to East Asia. And so we've been there seven years. God's been really faithful to us. You see a picture there with some of the students that were looking to reach there with the gospel, and uh, so thankful for your prayers and for your financial giving. I don't know if you know this, but when you give to New Life Church, you give to support a number of families who live around the world spreading the gospel, and some of you have even given beyond that uh, to, uh, to our work individually, and so we thank you so much for all of your support and care for us. We'd love to meet you. If we haven't met you before, uh, we have a table set up in the foyer. We'd love to meet you after the service. And uh, we have an email sign-up sheet. So if you'd like to know more about our ministry and get updates so that you can pray for us, we'd love for you to do that. We also have some gifts for kids. So kids, if you can like talk your parents to come sign up for our email sheet, you might get a little prize uh, there as well. And then uh, after the service, we'll have a potluck. And some of you know about that and are prepared for that. If not, come on, I'll, I'll eat less. You can have more. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we'll share more about our life over the last seven years, God's faithfulness and the ministry that we've been able to be a part of as well. So let's pray together and then we'll jump into God's word. Father in heaven, thank you for your church. Uh, thank you for uh, your faithfulness to New Life Church over the years. Uh, so, so many seasons of life this church has been through and seen you take us all the way. And we give you the glory for that and ask you to continue to sustain us. We fix our eyes on you, Jesus. You are the head of the church. And we also know that though things can sometimes be difficult, the gates of hell can't even stand against the church of Jesus Christ. You're building it, and we put our eyes on you. Particularly, we put our eyes on your word this morning. Uh, we need you to speak. Uh, we're, we're listening as individuals and as a church. We need conviction. We need encouragement. We need faith to believe. Uh, we need uh, uh, your strength to commit to following what your word says this morning. And so 
Uh, Lord, we trust you uh, for that help and believe you to do it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, can I ask you, do you sometimes struggle to pray? Uh, you know you should pray. You know you want to pray, but for some reason, your heart just isn't in it. You're resistant to it. Uh, do you ever have a hard time when you come to church and it comes time for singing? Uh, you come to church because that's what Christians are supposed to do, but when the singing starts, you're, you're mouthing the words along with everybody else, but there's no passion in it for you, no conviction, nothing soul-stirring about it. And, and in the midst of that moment, you're feeling a little awkward, and so you're looking around at other people, and one of two thoughts occurs to you. Well, that's okay. He's not feeling it either. <laughs> Or you look across the room at someone else and you go, oh, whoa. I mean, that, that person loves the Lord. I mean, there, there's a passion in, in worshiping God in them that, that, that I haven't found. And you're, you're wanting some of what they've got. And sometimes we think that leaders in the church don't struggle with this kind of stuff. Like, oh, leaders, they, they always pray. They're good at that. And they're always worshiping. They never have any struggles with that. But the truth is we're all broken each and every one of us is, is a sinner, and, and we struggle. We, we wrestle against the flesh to come to that place of being a worshiper of God. And so uh, David, when he wrote this psalm, I think was in one of those moments when he needed to encourage himself to get going, to, to, to write the psalm and to actually sing out the words that are written within it. And so he has a conversation with his soul. Bless the Lord, O my soul, he tells himself. And you're thinking, wow, does it make David schizophrenic that he's having a conversation with himself? <laughs> I don't think so. I think it's just that he sees there's a gap between what he knows and believes about God and what he can manage to well up within his soul to pour out out of his mouth and to mean it on this day. And so he speaks to his soul, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. See, David wants no half-hearted efforts in his worship of the Lord. Like Jesus tells us, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So this, this desire for a, a full-hearted, a full mind, a full soul, a full physical body worship of the Lord is strong within David. And why is that? Why is there this desire that he worship God with everything? Well, he says he wants to bless his holy name. God's name is the essence of his character. It's who he is. And so when you read in the Psalms who God is, you're, you're reading about his character, his name. And he knows that his name is holy. That word uh, holy means uh, set apart, beyond comparison. There's no one like him in all the universe. That's our God. He's perfect in holiness. He is righteous and, and just. He's, he's perfect and holy and full of just wrath towards sin. And yet he is full of compassion and mercy and grace towards us. This is our God. He is worthy of an all that is within us kind of worship. And so 
this morning, I want to encourage you to speak to your soul, to speak to your soul, to bless the Lord. Speak to it and tell it because God wants a full-hearted worship and because he's worthy of all of that worship. Now, uh, when David goes to blessing the Lord, uh, he speaks to his soul, but he needs a little help encouraging his soul to get with it. And so he reminds himself of the benefits. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits. Now, some of you have, have gotten a, a job or you've entered into university studies and, and you have a bit of a cost-benefit analysis when you go to getting involved in those things. And, you know, sometimes we, we go to work and we go to school and, and at first it's okay, but then after a while we get a little like, ah, oh, is this really worth it? I mean, is, I don't know if I like this job. My, my, my boss is a, not a great guy. And, and my, you know, this, this, these coworkers of mine, I mean, they're kind of slacking and I have to do it. I mean, this teacher isn't really giving me all that I need. And we, we, start to, we start to get kind of cranky about it. And then we remind ourselves, oh, yeah, the benefits. Like, I'm going to school here so I can get a good job when I'm done, so I need to persevere. Oh, yeah, this job, I took it because it has a good salary and it has uh, good medical benefits, a 401K, and I even get a few days of vacation to enjoy the Oregon coast in the summer. So you, you got this in mind, and you say, okay, I'm going to get back to it. I'm going I'm to make persevere in this job, and I'm going to persevere in school, I'm going to keep going with this stuff. And, and when we think about the benefits, though, of serving the Lord for those who are his children, I mean, they far, they far exceed any of those benefits we just mentioned about things in life. I mean, the benefits of knowing God are amazing, and that's going to be the content of this message this morning is really to talk through uh, the six benefits we see here in this text right at the beginning. If you go to the next slide, just kind of a passage breakdown for you here, we've already talked about verses 1 and 2, the call to bless the Lord. And then the next uh, four verses there, verses 3 through 6, are those list of benefits. And that's going to be the structure that we'll go with this morning. Those will be the, the six points, if you want to take notes or something, uh, of the message. And uh, the third section, though, is material uh, supporting material for the benefits. So I won't necessarily preach through those, everyone, but just kind of grab bits and pieces of those to support the six, uh, the six benefits at the beginning. And then we'll come back at the end for a global call uh, towards blessing the Lord. So let's just start with the first one. When David begins his list of benefits of being in a relationship with God, he starts with forgiveness of sins. Forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity. Uh, we remember, as we see this benefits, that this addresses our biggest problem. When God created the world, he created a perfect place where there was no sin, no heartache, a perfect relationship between uh, God and humans and between humans and humans. But when sin came into the world, Adam and Eve chose to sin, and that broke their relationship with each other, with God, even with the creation itself. And uh, we are their children. All of us have inherited this sin nature uh, so that we are sinners by nature and we're sinners by choice. Each of us has chosen to rebel against God and the ways that he has laid out for us clearly in his word. So we've rebelled against him 
And there are some consequences for that. There are consequences for sin. The sin breaks our relationship with God. The God who created us, who loves us, who has a marvelous plan for our lives. Uh, we choose to disconnect from him and we're on our own in the, bits, in the midst of a great big scary world. And then in our relationships with each other, that's where conflict comes in. The scripture talks about that. Our desires that, that rage within us cause us to be in conflict with each other. So that, that fight you had with your spouse this week, it's because of sin. The, the, the frustrations you have with your children, it's because of sin. The, the, the heartache that, that you feel in, in feeling judgmental towards people in the world who aren't living a righteous way. That judgmentalism in your heart is, is sinfulness. And the, the sin that they're doing is because people have a broken relationship with God by choosing to go their own way. And the worst part of this is, is that God is justly angry about the sin of his creatures who are supposed to glorify him. And each of us is destined, the scripture says, once to die and then to face judgments. So sin is a big problem, but we have a great God. And in our passage this morning, uh, David recounts to us about God. He does not deal with us, verse 10 says, according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. As far as the east is the west, verse 12 says, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. How far is the east is from the west? How far are they apart? Infinite, right? You, you can't grasp the east or the west. They just, they go forever. And, and that far has God removed your sin for you, from you if you are a covenant child of God. Verse, verse 19 down there talks about that these benefits are, are for those who are his covenant children. You go, oh, well, that's, that's like Old Testament stuff, right? Covenant and the people who were the Jewish people and then they did the bloody sacrifices in the temple and that's how children of Abraham, they became covenant people. But uh, we know as believers that we've been grafted into the vine, that we have believed in God's ultimate sacrifice, his son, Jesus Christ. We've been drawn by his spirit into the family of God to believe the gospel so that all of our sins are forgiven too just like the Jewish people. In fact, Ephesians 1, 7 says, in him, meaning Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. And so I want to say to you this morning, if you're struggling to pray, struggling to be a person who blesses the Lord, remember the benefit that all your sins are forgiven. As far as the east is from the west, there is now no condemnation for you if you're in Christ Jesus. All your sins in the past that you feel guilty about, that you hope nobody ever finds out about, all the sins that you struggled with this week and felt like you're never going to be able to get free from that, all of those sins for those who have put their trust in Christ are forgiven forever, gone, put on Jesus on the cross. So bless the Lord, oh, your soul. And all that's within you, bless his holy name. The second benefit, forget not all his benefits, who heals all your diseases. Can I ask a question? Does God really heal all of our diseases? Say yes. Because <laughs> it's in the Bible, right? We, we, we don't look at our circumstances and judge the Bible. We look at the Bible and then judge our circumstances. So how does this work? Uh, we know that Jesus, I mean, Old Testament and New Testament, tons of healings 
Right? We're, we're to pray for healing. New Testament. If somebody's sick, pray for the elders to come. Lay hands on them. Pray. We, we pray. When we're sick, we, we need to pray. When someone's got cancer, we need to pray. We pray about all these things. But then we're, we struggle sometimes because some people that we know are like people of faith. They, they really pray. We really pray for them. Elders even come pray for them. And, and yet, they don't get healed right away. And we think, oh man, what is the Bible wrong or something? What's going on here? And so we struggle. And then we, we remember the words of Paul, who had a, a thorn in the flesh. And the scripture says he put, prayed three times that the Lord would take away this thorn. And what did God say to him? My, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. For some reason, God has a plan. And in some instances, he doesn't heal right away when we pray. But that doesn't mean we should stop praying. That somehow, oh, well, he might listen to my prayers. He might not. No, God is listening. He's listening, and he is a healer, and we ought to keep praying and pray for people all the time. I love the, the note that went out uh, on email this week about praying for the neighbors ar- around the horn in your neighborhood. I got right on the app, and I learned the names of a couple of my neighbors in my neighborhood. Pretty cool. And I was able to pray for them, and, and when you're meeting people, absolutely pray for the things that they tell you about in their lives. Pray that they would be healed, even of diseases, and God sometimes shows his power in miraculous ways. But we do know that every one of us, unless Jesus comes again first, is going to die. <laughs> so, so death is coming to all of us. So where does the promise of healing all our diseases come from? Well, we, we know for those who believed in Jesus, what's going to happen? Someday, God is going to completely heal your body. And, and not just in some kind of like metaphysical, like hocus pocus kind of way. No, the real body that you have is somehow going to get raised up out of the dirt if you're already dead. And God is going to miraculously heal that thing and make it perfect so that you're going to dwell on the new earth forever and worship of him where there's no more pain, no more sadness, no more mourning, no more pain from chemotherapy, no more diabetes struggle, all of it gone forever healed. So bless the Lord, oh, your soul. Bless the Lord for his healing now that he does in your life and in people you pray for, and bless him that the ultimate healing is coming. Forget not all his benefits who redeems your life from the pit. Uh, The first two benefits were really uh, straightforward, literal benefits. This one is more of a metaphor. I, I don't know that we can read really a place where David was physically in a pit somewhere in the scriptures, but he definitely experienced lots of times when he was rescued from destruction. He was, he was going down to the pit of Sheol, he would call it. And uh, we read in Psalm 40, verses 1 through 3, David says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. So in what sense does God redeem our lives from the pits? Well, we talked about one already. We're destined to die and then face judgment. The judgment that we're destined to face, all of us, is hell, an actual literal hell, a place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth, burning fire that's never quenched. That's the destiny of all those who reject Christ. 
But you, you're a child of God. You're a covenant child of God. You've believed in him, and you no longer have to have any kind of fear of hell. Your sins have been forgiven. You're a child of God, and nothing can separate you from his love. You're his child forever. So you're redeemed from that pit. But I wonder if sometimes we might experience some pit-like things in our lives. Particularly, I mean, I, I've been gone for, for seven years, so I wasn't here during the COVID season here, but I was where, uh, where it was as well <laughs> around the world. And, you know, in the midst of COVID, like mental health crisis stuff became like more pandemic than the pandemic, right? I mean, people struggling with anxiety and, and depression and fear, and some of it real physical causes, and, and some of it spiritual causes, some of it emotional struggle, and some of you have experienced that, some in this room, and, and you know what it means to feel like you're in a pit, and, and you can't get out, like you're, you're clawing with your fingernails against the proverbial wall, trying to pull yourself out of this place, and and, and really all you want to do is just pull the covers back over your head and stay there and never get out. You don't want to see anybody. You don't want to talk to anybody. And, and you feel, you don't like the place you're in, but you feel like there's no way to get out. And that pit of destruction, that pit of depression, the dark night of the soul is a scary place to be. And, and as Christians, sometimes we don't want to tell other Christians because like somehow we're embarrassed. Like we're supposed to be the joy of the Lord. Now, you know what? The, your brothers and sisters praying for is, is exactly what you need in that moment. Crying out and being honest that you're struggling. And so what do we do? We find ourselves in that pit. Well, we do what David said. We wait upon the Lord. What does waiting mean? It doesn't mean just sit around, do nothing. No, we're, we're praying and waiting on his promise to be fulfilled, that he redeems your life from the pit. You're asking other people to pray. You're going to church. You're reading the word. You, just, you keep doing those faithfulness things you know, and you cry out to God. And, and then the Lord, amazingly, somehow does what we know he's going to do because he promises in the scripture. He takes us out of the pits, not because we were scraping on the sides, but because he comes and he sets our feet on a rock and he puts a new song in our mouths, a song of praise to our God. And so if you're in that pit, can I encourage you, wait, wait on the Lord. And, and if the Lord has redeemed your life, would you come back if you haven't yet and bless the Lord because he redeemed your life from that pit? A song of praise to our God. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. This is perhaps my favorite benefit of the list, and I think it's David's as well because he calls it a crown. It's like the, the height of God's movement in our lives. He crowns him with this. I mean, he's the king. He's got a crown, but this thing is the real crown, his steadfast love and mercy. And in the supporting material, he gives a, a ton of stuff about this. I'll just mention a few. In verses 7 and 8, he mentions Exodus 34, God's ultimate self-revelation of himself in, in Exodus 34 when Moses had said, Lord, show me your glory. And then he took him up on the mountain and he hid him in the cleft of the rock. And remember, God's presence passed before him. Moses was only able to see his, his backside. But as he passed, he said, the Lord, the Lord, compassionate 
and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and mercy. That's who your God is. That's who your God is. He's the God of mercy and compassion towards you, those who are his covenant children. Uh, verse 11 tells us that as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards us. You know, a couple times this summer, I've been able to see some stars. And I'm not just talking about the four or five that we see in the city here. I mean, like central Texas in the middle of nowhere, and you walk outside at night and you're like, whoa, <laughs> right? Uh, or or uh, eastern Oregon, or some of you go up to Camp Tadmore, Men's Roundup or something, and you, you stand out under those stars and you're like, oh, this is crazy, crazy, the number of stars that you see. And the, the astronomers tell us that the light from some of those stars comes from trillions of light years away. That's big. <laughs> That's vast. And, and we feel so small in the midst of that sometimes. Who am I in the midst of this big universe? But in the midst of that, when we think that God says, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is my steadfast love towards you. Did you know God loves you that much? I mean, as, as big as your mind can think of love and beyond, that's how much God loves you. As a dad, verses 13 and 14 help me to grasp the love of our great God. You know, some people may struggle to connect with God's compassion, being like a father for his children because maybe your dad wasn't a, was a great person. But, but we all know the characteristics of a good dad. Right? We, we've seen them. We, uh, as, as dads who see it in other dads, we're like, oh, man, I want to be like him. When, when, I'm, when I grow up, you know, he's a great dad. We, we see those good characteristics, and, and, and we just long for that. And God is perfect in his fatherhood of us and showing compassion. You know, I, uh, some of you know that when we left here, we had three kids, and, and they're all, like, in the process of launching or already launched, and then in China God gave us two more little kids, just a, a surprise blessing of the Lord. We're so thankful for them. Uh, they're three and five now, and we've been driving across this big country, starting on the East Coast, down Florida, across to Texas, through Texas and Texas and Texas. Okay, finally, New Mexico, Arizona, up the coast, and you know, a three and five-year-old's you know, we see original sin. <laughs> it's there for us. It's hanging out, especially on a long road trip. And, and sometimes they're so precious. You're like, oh, man, what a gift these kids are. They say something. They warm your heart. You want to hug them. And then sometimes you literally want to pull the hair out of your head because they're yelling, fighting, screaming, throwing stuff, whatever it is. And, you know, but there was no point during the trip especially like, you know, they're screaming across the desert of Arizona. I didn't say, okay, open the van door, honey. <laughs> Put these little urchins <laughs> on the side of the road. I'm driving away. <laughs> no, didn't do that. Not because I'm a incredible dad. I don't want to go to jail. No, but, but our God, our God's love is so much greater than that. His compassion is so much greater than our compassion. He doesn't want to throw you away because you have sinned even 
multiple times the same sin that you're having a struggle to get out of. No, he loves you and he wants to help you and empower you to overcome that because he forgives all your sins and he wants you to be free and live the life of worship that he's called you to. He loves you. He remembers the scripture says that you're from the dust. You know the imagery there? Like Adam was made out of the dust of the ground. God breathed his life. We're all just from the dust. We're just creatures. We're creations, but created for his glory, to be worshipers of him. And that only happens because his amazing work of crowning us with his steadfast love and mercy. Do you know that you're loved by God? I mean, we, yeah, okay, it seems kind of trite, like we forget about it sometimes. Okay, yeah, love of God. But, man, that really is home base for you when you're struggling in this life, when you're confused, when you don't know what to think, when you don't know what to do in different places. Return back to the truth that God loves you no matter what. And rest. Rest in that. It's never going to leave. He's never going to let you out of his hands. And for all of eternity, you're going to be in the presence of your heavenly Father who loves you with a love that's beyond reach, beyond imagination. Forget not all his benefits. Number five, forget not all his benefits who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Among the benefits of a relationship with God, this one may be the most uh, impactful in your daily life. He satisfies you with good. Well, we, we know as believers, you know, Jesus promised, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added to you. All the things we need. We know that God knows what we need before we even ask him. He knows every hair on our head. He knows how to take care of our needs. And so we trust him in that way. But, but the other thing that he does is not just, not just give you good, but he satisfies you with his good. You know, there's, there's a difference between trusting God for his benefits and going, yeah, yeah, God always takes care of me and being satisfied in the way he takes care of you. You know, this is kind of like what we say at New Life Church. You know, our mission is we're, we're delighting in God. You know, we, we've got to remember when, when God provides for us and takes care of us in these amazing ways and gives us all these benefits, we've got to remember to take delight, to remember that he satisfies us. And that satisfaction work is a work of grace as well. God does a supernatural work in us if we'll let him to make us delight in all that he's given to us. And so I want to encourage you towards that deep abiding joy, that, that contentment, being satisfied with good. We, we talked a little bit earlier about mental health uh, struggles. And in, in the work that we do in East Asia, we work with students, a lot of graduate students. And uh, I, we were able to you know, have some larger group meetings, but also to start some small group Bible studies with some guys where they discover for themselves what the Word of God says. And amazingly, uh, just... This, this year, God has given us some of our, our first fruits. You know, we've seen people believe in Jesus since we've been in Asia, but these are like the first ones that genuinely, like, we're right there in the, the midst with them. We, we met them when they were seeking, and they've asked us lots of questions, been in Bible studies with them. And so this one discovery Bible study they have, all three of the guys, it turns out, are, are believers now. One had been a believer before and kind of reaffirmed his faith. 
two more came to know Christ and were baptized this year. And so we're going through the scriptures, and at the end of the scriptures, we always ask, hey, God's you know, teaching us about who he is, what he's done, and you know, it's been so good for us. How can we help other people who are out there in the world? And these guys looked at me and said, you know, Nathan, uh, we don't really have a lot of financial needs. Like if we're studying here in your city, like our parents have a lot of money. They've like spent 25,000 US dollars to send us here for the year. It's, it's amazing. But you know, what we have is we have a lot of struggles that we can't really talk about with anyone. And it's, it's shameful in, in the place where we live. Uh, like they, they lose face if they talk particularly to their family members uh, about uh, the, the things that are going on in their lives that are, are mental health things. And so they certainly don't talk to classmates uh, about it. And so they just kind of struggle in silence. So they said, would you host a night for us to, to come together? We can you know, eat together. We can just open up some of these deep subjects. And one of the first subjects they want us to talk about was depression and anxiety. Okay, <laughs> I'm thinking, okay, well, I understand the dinner part. They might come for that, but I'm thinking when I was in college, I would never come to a night at somebody's house where they discuss depression and anxiety. That sounds terrible. I mean, give me some disc golf or something, but I, hey, no, I, I don't want to do that. But, but they came. I mean, like 25 people packed into our little bitty 650-square-foot apartment, and we're talking about depression and anxiety, and it was slow at first. You know, a few people, oh, my friend has this or that, or, and then slowly one person person got vulnerable yeah I've, I've been to a counselor you know don't go to the one the school has they're terrible find a different one yeah they, they you know and they start talking about all of these like pit scratching ways to get out like when they're deep in the pit of depression and then my my friends asked me hey Nathan can you just share from the bible how we're able to get out of this stuff what does the bible say and so I began to share with them about the joy and the peace that comes from knowing the creator we call him Shangdi the the god of heaven and earth. We, we cry out to him and he helps us out of the pits. We cry out to him and he provides us for what we need and then we become satisfied and content with the life that God has given us and we delight in him and that helps us to, to live in joy and peace. And, you know, their eyes were kind of big because they're told there is no, <laughs> there is no God from the time they're little bitty kids and uh, some though are interested and they're curious, and they keep coming back, and they join us for more Bible studies and for an alpha course where they're learning about who Jesus is and what the Bible is. And, and, and you know, uh, for, for you, I wonder if sometimes you just need to return back to remember what it was like when you first believed. Uh, it says here that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. <laughs> You know, sometimes what happens in our Christian life is something that I call a spiritual aging process starts to happen. Now, I, I'm not talking about your physical age because I'm like halfway there now. <laughs> I wasn't when I first came here, but now I am getting older. I'm talking about like spiritually getting old. You know what I mean? Like, like when you first believed, you're, you're into it. You're studying God's word. You're joining a life group. You're, you're learning about doctrine, and you're learning about how much God loves you, and you even start sharing your faith with a few people. You're really excited to know the Lord, but then somewhere along the way, something happens, and 
Maybe it's a sin issue and, and the, the devil gets a little foothold in your life because of some anger or bitterness issue thing you got going on. And then, then you start to feel crankier and crankier all the time. You're cranky at people on the freeway. You're cranky at people at your office. You're cranky at all those lost people out there who are choosing all sorts of alternative lifestyles. And, and you're living a life of judgment and you're not happy. You're not joyful. You're not delighting in the Lord. And you've become a spiritually old person. And the Bible says that God satisfies us with good. And when we remember that, the benefits of knowing the Lord, our youth is renewed like the eagles. So, so we get a new burst of, of, of life, that, that youngness that we once had in the faith. Not that we find, you know, Ponce de Leon's fountain of youth, but we find a, a connection to God that does indeed make our eyes Glitter, again, a, a delight and a joy in living and meeting people and praying for people and sharing the good news with people and praying with our family. It begins to, to grow in us again so that like the, the bald eagle that I saw near the Oregon City Bridge this week, we begin to soar like that in our faith again. Are you, are you wanting to soar again? Do you remember those days when you soared in your faith before? Today's your day. Today's your day. Speak to your soul about the benefits of knowing him and let your soul soar again with Jesus. Well, the last benefit is one that is not just for uh, those who are uh, covenant children of God. It seems to be for all people. Forget not all his benefits. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. All who are oppressed. And David certainly has had times when he felt oppressed by his enemies. And he takes seriously that God is a righteous God, a judge who will punish his oppressors and help the oppressed. And we read it all over scripture. God works justice for the fatherless, for widows, slaves, sojourners, children. God is, is caring about oppressed people and bringing justice all the time. But you need to know that even if you don't fall in one of those categories, that God God brings justice and righteousness to you when you are oppressed. Perhaps our biggest oppressor is the enemy of our souls, the evil one who comes and deceives us with sin and, and, and brings uh, guilt and uh, a sense of shame upon us. And that is not from the Lord. As a believer in Jesus, you are forgiven. Remember, free, set free from your sins as far as the east is from the west. And God's ultimate act of righteousness and justice for you was in sending his son to the earth. So maybe you're thinking this morning, I don't know what those benefits are. I've never really experienced any of those. But you're on the outside looking in, you feel like, in the church but you're coming because a family member or friend invited you. And I want to say to you, be patient and, and, and wait for the Lord and look for those benefits and let the Holy Spirit begin to do his work in you so that you come to believe. Listen to the words of your friends. Listen to their testimonies and let them draw you near because the Lord is working righteousness and justice for you in the midst of the place where you feel really oppressed. Well, I want to end where David ends. At the end of our passage, uh, David does not just bless the Lord himself, call himself to bless the Lord, but he calls all of heaven and earth to join the chorus of blessing his holy name. In verse 19, we get one more piece of the Lord's character. The Lord has established 
His throne in the heavens and His kingdom rules over all. Because God is the ruler of all things, He calls all of heaven. Bless the Lord, O you His angels, you mighty ones who do His word, obeying the voice of the Lord. Bless the Lord, all His hosts. I mean, we begin to think of Revelation and the myriads of myriads of people standing around the throne and all the saints who have gone before us worshiping there. He's calling out this big heavenly worship service to do his will, and then in verse 22, bless the Lord all his works in all places of his dominion. And that includes here, and that includes you. You are his work. And so can I call you, as David calls himself to bless the Lord, can I call you to bless the Lord this morning and not forget the benefits of being his child. Tell your soul, to bless the Lord. When we're going to sing here in a few minutes after I pray, would you tell your soul, hey, don't just stand there and mouth words. If you're struggling, pray. (laughs) Be honest with God. God, I'm struggling. Think of some of these benefits and let it stir your soul to join with your brothers and sisters and praise with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, this full-hearted, full body, full emotion Worship of the Lord. And then when you leave church (laughs) and throughout the week when you feel down and discouraged and maybe you felt a little sour on life recently and, and you know, maybe this blessing the Lord thing is just what you've been missing in your life. Now you You used to sing in the old days when you were soaring. You used to sing a lot. You'd find yourself, catch yourself singing some of the courses we sang in church, you'd, you'd catch yourself and, and you'd, you'd even seek it out. You'd use YouTube for something good and you'd go there for a worship chorus to get your soul going. And would you get back there again? Bless the Lord, oh your soul, and all that is within you. Bless his holy name. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thanks. Thanks for your church. Thanks for the good leadership you've given to New Life Church. Thanks for protecting this church through the years. Thanks for your amazing goodness to our family and to countless families who are standing in front of me. You've been faithful. You've been faithful all all our days. And we want to just say we love you. And we need help. We need help getting back to that place of blessing you on a regular basis. So we trust you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.